I have a great lesson prepared. I have no idea if you get to hear it. But I, I do know what I kept hearing this morning. And I brought it, I printed it out a while ago when I went home between the services. Because it just kept coming back to me. I had to find it. But it's a word the Lord said to me early on, fairly early in my process. And when the Lord gives you instructions, see, I don't know what soon means to a being that lives outside of time. (laughs) What does soon mean to him, you know? Because he says soon, but... (laughs) And the reason, you'll see why I... Referencing soon. Yes, sir. A couple of weeks ago, we started off with what is truth. Remember that? What is truth? And really, the Holy Spirit was directing me to the verse right above that one, right before it. Because Pilate was the one that asked the question, what is truth? But he was responding to what Jesus had just said before. Because Pilate asked him, are you a king? He said, well, you say that I am. But he says, I have come to bear witness of the truth. In another place, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, for all eternity, gave us the definition of what truth is. John 17, he says, Father, thy word is truth. Well, we've heard that. You've heard that your whole life like I have, you know. But he's been trying to get it down more practical, more usable by us. Can I say it that way? See, part of me wants to just stop right now and just pray because of the real problems that are going on in the world. last thing I want to do anymore is play church while all these people in Cuba that have been repressed under a communist regime. Their lives depend on truth. They need truth to set them free down there. There's a whole group of Uyghurs, I think is how you pronounce it. Maybe perhaps millions of them that are in internment camps in China being reprogrammed and tortured and raped from a report I read of a lady who escaped from there. Real problems. Communism trying to take over this country. God help you if you voted for him. I don't care if you like me or not. God help you. I'm praying for you. I don't want to play church. You know what you know what Cuba needs? Truth. Manifested in a real revival. You know what America needs? truth manifested in a real revival I was talking with one of my relatives even this very week and I love them to to pieces and they they give you the shirt off their back and they're Baptist to the bone and thank God for the Baptist I'm not but uh, I was mentioning us having these long prayer sessions at the church on Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays you know what? you pray from 10 in the morning till 8.30 at night? what? what? Why? And I said, well, we want a real, we want a revival. 
And I'm, I could tell from the look that I wasn't making a connection, you know. And she said, well, revival is easy. You invite an evangelist to come to the church for two weeks. You bring all your unsaved friends and you have a revival. And serious as a box of rocks. I'm not kidding you. And this person loves God and on their way to heaven. I'm telling you for sure. Now, I am going to read something to you that this is what he had me print. I know now. I know why now. See, the whole world needs this. When I say truth and I say revival, we're talking about something quite different than that, aren't we? We're talking about the manifestation of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, through our bodies. Now, it doesn't get much more simple than that. Where he gets to do the same work through us that he's always done. Unrestricted. So that the world, even the world will know that Christ lives in us and that he's raised from the dead. We are to bear witness of him. See, when he says, I came to bear witness of the truth. Okay, review a little bit. I came to bear witness of the truth. And the first one he brought to my mind was that woman bowed over for 18 years. Now, she's a, today we'd say she's a churchgoer. Where did he see her? In the synagogue. So that was their version of she loves God. She's going to the synagogue. Regular, I think. 18 years. When you've had anything, any physical ailment, any physical problem for 18 years. And I imagine it got worse, don't you? After 18 years, you know, you learn to live with it. And you start thinking, well, that's just the way life's going to be. You know, I love you, Lord. I'm glad I... I'm glad you love me. I'm, I heard about your healing covenant. I mean, how many times in going to synagogue in 18 years did she hear somebody read from Exodus, I am the Lord that healeth thee? How many times did she hear somebody read from Psalms, who forgives all thine iniquities, who heals all thy diseases? How many times? Big difference between having knowledge of the truth and walking in truth. Big difference. But she loved the Lord. Faithful, I think. 18 years. But I think inside of her, she had pretty well resigned herself. This is probably how it's going to be. And then one day, truth walks in the door. I'm telling you, soon and very soon, truth's going to come walking in your door. I'm talking about you personally. You are, you are the temple. You are the synagogue. You are the church. Each of you individually and all of us collectively. And I'm telling you, truth's about to come walking in the door. And life as you've known it is over just like it was for her. And we ought to be really glad about that. I guarantee you one thing. Now, I can't prove this, but neither can you. <laughs> she wasn't in that synagogue next Sunday. She was wherever Jesus was. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. Mary Magdalene, where was she? At the cross. She didn't care if they put her on one or not. She's going to be with him at the cross. No fear. 
I want to read to you. I could prophesy this, but he's already prophesied it. I'm just going to read it like he said it to me because I'm not special. You know, I'm, a, I'm just a teacher. I'm not, well, I'm, I'm his son. That's number one. I, at this stage, I am a teacher in the body of Christ, may always be, and I'm happy with that. He has told me, and this encourages me, the way he worded it encourages me. He says, when the miracles and the healings are dripping from my fingers like water. Excuse me, I'm encouraged. <laughs> Pardon me just a minute. He says, don't think that I've changed your calling and start running all around the country having healing meetings. You are a teacher, and I've trained you. I've called you to train others to do that. That encourages me, though, that the day's coming, and I think soon and very soon. The miracles and the healings, if they're going to be dripping from my fingers like water, and I'm just a teacher, how much more is that going to happen with you? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm getting a little check on reading it yet. I'm going to let him do the preparation. See, I grew up in church. Y'all do know I had a drug problem when I was... Little boy. I got drugged to church on Sunday morning. I got drugged to church on Sunday night. I got drugged to church on Wednesday night. My parents did their best to raise me right. And I don't mean to disparage any preachers. They meant well. They were doing their best. They were doing what they knew. And they would preach the cross and they loved Jesus. And I've seen them cry over sinners. Don't tell me they don't have God. Give their lives to pastor a little church out in the country somewhere. Not after money. Just trying to... And I thank God for every soul that got saved there, including my dad and my grandpa. But at the same time, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I was raised to believe that the days of miracles was pretty much over. Now, they would say, God can do anything. God can heal. But every time they'd pray for the sick, they'd always add that faith killer on the end of it. We're praying for Brother Jones that he be healed if it be thy will. Well, if you don't know if it's his will, you don't have any faith. I'm sorry, you just don't. But anyway, I was raised under that kind of teaching. I was raised that there were no apostles anymore, no prophets. That means there's no prophecy. That means there's no tongues. There's no... Gifts of the Spirit. I mean, that's the way I was raised. And they don't get me wrong, they love God. I'm not trying to disparage. I'm just telling that that's the way I was raised. But I would read the Bible, even as a little boy. Strange, huh? <laughs> I would read it. I'd go home and I'd read it. And what are you going to do with Mark chapter 16? Those that believe in my name, they'll cast out devils. I've never seen one of those cast out. Been going to church my whole life. Never seen one cast out. They'll speak with new tongues and so forth. And how about the last one? They'll lay hands on the sick. And if it's my will, they'll recover. That's not what it says, see. They'll lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. So something in me, we'd go to the church on Sunday morning and then come home, you know, and in those days, my dad followed construction, so we lived in a nice trailer house. It wasn't a, it was a nice one, you know. But we'd live in a city like, I've, been, I've lived in Chickasha, Ardmore, Duncan, 
uh, Norman Moore, Ruidoso, New Mexico, Shreveport, Louisiana, Oklahoma City a couple of times, Tulsa a couple of times. I went to 13 different schools between the first and sixth grade, and I can still read. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but every one of those, we always the same flavor of Christianity, so I got the same message. But they'd go to church in the morning, Sunday morning, and in the afternoon when everybody else is out, dad's mowing the yard or they're outside doing stuff. Trailers are small. You don't stay in them. You know, <laughs> go outside. While they're all outside, I'd sneak in there in the afternoon. I'd watch Oral Roberts on that black and white TV, empty wheelchairs. <laughs> you know. I'm going. My mama says when I was about six years old, she helped me one time put two quarters in an envelope and mail it to Oral Roberts. <laughs> I wanted to give something. And it sure wasn't to get a hundredfold return. Well, Sue and I really got radically saved. But okay, yes, sir. Okay, I won't ignore that. Well, about the time, one of the reasons that I walked away, which I did, about the time, about the time. I got old enough to have a car and discovered girls, you know. I walked away from the Lord. But part of the reason why there was doubts coming up in me. Well, no matter what the Bible says, they say healing has passed away. Casting out devils has passed away. Apostles has passed away. Prophets has passed away. Prophecy has passed away. How do I know salvation hadn't passed away? How do I know any of it's true? See, that's pretty much the way the world looks at the church. We don't show them anything. We just tell them. And they're going, how do we know that's true? Well, that's why Jesus called us to bear witness of the truth. So, I got far away from God. I, and this is not, I don't, it's not about me today, but I got far away from God. And as you know, I got really far away from, really far away from God. And by age 33, I'd already made my mind up. I was never going to darken a church door again. And the Lord looked on my heart, and he knew I'm in it. I was never going back. I'd had it. And I like to say it this way now. I didn't really understand it this way for a long time. But here's your father for you. Raised in church, knew God as a little boy, heard his voice, walked with him for a long time. But by my own choice, I chose to walk away. And choose the world instead. Now see if he was like us. Good enough for you. See you. Wouldn't want to be you. But that's not our father. Even though I made such horrible choices. It's like he looked down through eternity. The possibility of an eternity of him existing without Gary. Without Gary being with him. And he couldn't take it. So since I wasn't ever going to go back to church, and he knew I wasn't on my own, he called a young man named Michael Muccio and sent him across, can I say, enemy lines, (laughs) like a commando, (laughs) special ops, over into the business world to come after me. And long story short, because that's not the message today, the Lord did. And his plan worked. And after about six months of listening to Michael Muccio, I bowed my knee. I still remember 4th of July, 1980. Two or three o'clock in the morning. I didn't really look at the clock, but I know it was after midnight. 
And I remember I listened, and before I even prayed the prayer, I listened to one or two of Michael's cassettes from the Bible study teachings. I was recording them on my own, you know. I listened to them just to make sure I understood, because Michael had taught on backsliders and how God will take you back. But I still remember my prayer. God, I I knew you as a little boy. I know I heard your voice. I know it's, I know. Lord, I chose to walk away from you. I know I did it. I chose of my own free will to walk away. And I've committed horrible things, terrible sins. But I've been listening to this man you sent. And he says, you'll take me back if I repent. Return to you. Lord, I don't even really know if you'll take me back. But I'm telling you tonight, Lord, if you will. You'll never have to come looking for me again. How many knows he took me back? He'll take you back too. I don't care how far you've walked away from God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what the devil says that God's done with you. He is not. He says, return to me, O backslider. Just tell me what you did. Confess. Be honest before me. Repent. Return unto me. I will abundantly pardon. That blood of Jesus is still on the mercy seat. It will wash you whiter than snow. Just return. Be like the prodigal son. He's looking for you to return. He's hoping you'll return. The father's looking, hoping to see you coming today. Return to him. I feel the need to pray right now. Listen, if you're like that and you've walked away from God, or maybe you've never known God, but you say, well, I'm so sorry. Listen, Jesus, He is the price that the Father paid His beloved Son who never sinned. This Jesus got on the cross to pay for your sin. He is the price. He is the pearl of great price. He He is the treasure of all eternity. Let's all just say, say, Father, I have sinned. I'm asking you to forgive me. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that he paid the price that I deserved. He took the penalty that I deserved and he paid the price with his own blood. Father, forgive me. Wash me clean by the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. Lord, if you'll take me back, and I know you will, you'll never have to come looking for me again. I'll serve you, Lord, with all of my heart. All the days of my life. Now, Father, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me to overflowing. I expect to speak in a heavenly language. As you fill me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, as I came back to the Lord and began really learning the Bible, and this time I did get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. Thank God for getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. In fact, last Sunday, I think we talked about that, where Jesus says, it is expedient for you that I go away. It's better for you. And I had a real problem with that. What do you mean it's better? 
If you were here, we'd be seeing signs and wonders and miracles. And at the time, I had an Aunt Betty dying of brain cancer, you know. And I said, I know if I could get Betty to you, if he's here, you'd heal her. But last Sunday, we went through this because the reason he said it's better, he said, if I don't go away, the Comforter, and he's talking about the Holy Ghost, will not come to you. See, and that's all connected, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Why is it better for us that he went away? If you put it all together, listen to last Sunday's message. He says, it's not really, Jesus would say all the time, it's not me doing the works. It's the Father in me. He's doing the works. Well, he knew the Father is in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven. Who's he talking about when he says the Father in me? That's the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of the Father. It's what he's really saying. It's be better for it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go, you'll never have the same God in you that I have in me. God, Shondai Mahondai right there. That's, that's why it's better. And that's the plan of God. And that's why I know it's God's promise that every single believer be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, I know you can make heaven without it, but that's just not the plan. The plan is every believer have God the Holy Ghost dwelling on the inside of you. And doing the same works now that he did then. That is the plan. See, I know that I know. You know Philip went down and preached in Samaria to him. And he, he, Philip operated in signs and wonders. It plainly says he did. And that's what drew Simon. Remember Simon? And so... Philip went down, preached Christ to them. And it says they believed and were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, pardon my Baptist roots, but that's saved in my book. If you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and you believe and you get baptized in His name, I call that saved. But they didn't receive the Holy Ghost that day. It said as of yet, He had fallen on none of them. So the apostles, when they found out, when they heard that Samaria had, had received the Word of God... They came down and laid hands on them. And when the apostles laid their hands on them, now get this word, there was a flow. There was a flow that went through their physical bodies, as Dave would say. A flow from the river on the end. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. And there was a flow from the God inside of them that flowed into these new creatures. So they could have the same God on the inside of them that the apostle had. Now you can't make it, you can't put God in a box. See right there where you want to say, okay, that's the way everybody has to get it. Trust me, honey, wasn't no apostle lady's hand on me to get it. Wasn't no apostle in Cornelius. Peter never got a chance to lay hands on him in Cornelius' house. You read chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, where he's telling about it. He said, I was just beginning to preach. At the beginning of my message, God fell on them, filled them all with the Holy Ghost. Who am I? <laughs> Can't put God in a box. But the point is, God wants the Holy Ghost in our belly. Why? So we can do our belly. I don't mean our stomach. God wants the Holy Ghost living on the inside of every believer. Why? The works that I do shall you do also. And greater than these shall you do. And boys, you need to hear last week's message about Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Amen. Grapes don't grow on the vine. Think about it. Grapes don't grow on the vine. 
I remember my grandfather's grapevine, that old ancient-looking vine coming up out of the ground. Now, I can't see under the ground. There's a source of life where I can't see. Life comes from that unseen realm into this seen realm through the vine. But grapes don't grow on the vine. What grows on the vine, church? Branches grow on the vine. See, Jesus, while He had a human body, He was the branch. He was the branch. Your body, and it's really more than your body, listen to Alan's message. But your body is a big part of that. If you, if you, with the day you don't have a body, you're not a branch on planet earth anymore. You don't have authority here anymore. But while you're here, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Last week's message. That new spirit, what we call the new, Alan calls it the inner man. That born again new person on the inside of you. That is really Christ in you in a way. It's, it's of Christ. It's His spirit. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. He is the vine. He is the connector between the seen realm of this earth and the unseen realm of the Spirit. We can't see that. But that's where the life comes from. And the Father flows through Christ in you. Through your hands, if you'll allow me. Through your branch. So that when you lay hands on the sick, it's the Father in you doing the works. But he's doing it through Christ. And that's why Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. I don't ever find, I've read the book of Acts over and over, I don't ever find the apostles saying, it's the Father in me doing the works. They always give the credit to Christ. It's Christ in me. And that's the gospel. Christ in us. Our hope of glory. But see, the prayer in John 17 is, Father, I in them. And thou in me. He is the connector. He is the vine. We are the branches. And the fruit grows on. Hold out your hand. Hold out your, either hand. I don't care. Say, hello, branch. Fruit appears there. Say, say fruit appears there. And I'll tell you right now, fruit can appear beyond there. See, Jesus had greater works than these. Think about Peter. I don't ever remember Jesus walking down the street and his shadow falling on people and them getting healed. Do you? Nobody's, everybody's afraid to say anything. <laughs> I mean, it could have happened, but it's not recorded for us that it happened. But it did with Peter. See, that gives me hope. How many knows Peter wasn't perfect? We love Peter. Why do we really love Peter? <laughs> we relate with Peter. <laughs> Greater works than these. But see, once Peter left the earth, he's not a branch anymore. So what's happened? I had to come from a tradition. Miracles has passed away. Healing has passed away. All of that's passed away. I have, I've had to let the Holy Ghost and the Word of God reprogram, transform, renew, however you want to put it, the knowledge that... False knowledge, could I say strongholds, had to be replaced with truth. Had to be replaced with truth. 
But I've known from the early days what I knew. I'd, I'd have to get in there and watch Oral Roberts because I knew, I knew God still heals today. I didn't know how, I couldn't say much about it. I just knew that he did. <laughs> well, Sue and I were saved and spirit-filled. Sue got saved shortly after I did. And we both got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I still say you need to, anybody that gets freshly filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to lock them in a closet till they can pray their way out. <laughs> I mean, all hell broke loose when we got filled with the Holy Ghost. All hell broke loose. False this and, I mean, anyway, the devil sent everything he could to wreck us. Thank God we survived. But we were saved in spirit-filled. We could shandai, but we didn't much because nobody ever taught us there was a reason to until Pastor Dave. So that was 12 years later. See, we were filled. The reason I, I know that, see, you came too late to tell me Dave's message does not work. Because I had the Holy Ghost in me for 12 years. But it wasn't until we started hearing Pastor Dave teaching why. A person should spend a lot of time praying in the Holy Ghost and started laying out for us the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit, which really in that same four chapters, John 16, Jesus said, He, when He comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, He, personal pronoun, He will guide you into all truth. Well, sure enough, we, we I listened to, now by that time I had, anyway, it's not about me. I didn't really trust pastors too much we'd been hurt by some pastors been hurt by well-meaning people i don't mean that they intended to but well-meaning but they hurt us anyway partly what i mean is they taught us stuff that wasn't true so i'm listening to dave he seemed like a nice guy i did like the love and i like the sure like the miracles that i saw come out of him the uh, but i didn't trust him i told him to his face one time i didn't and he just laughed he thought that's that's okay but I kept listening. You know, Sue would get the... In those days, I know this is ancient technology. They actually had cassette tapes here. And, if you, you know, Sue would come and get the tape and keep it for me. And then when I'd go out on a trip, I'd listen to him. I was still driving. I listened to Dave for about six months. And I'm a good student. I am a good student. And everything that he said, man, I'd jot down that scripture. I'd jot down that scripture while, even while I'm listening. And I checked them out. And even then, I knew to check them in context. After about six months, I told Sue, I said, I can't find anything, anything wrong with what the man's saying. It looks to me like he's telling the truth. So I told her, I said, I'm going to go for it. I'm stuck in the cab of that truck 40, 50, 60 hours a week anyway. I'm stuck there. I'm going to turn off the CB radio. I'm going to turn off the regular radio. And I'm going to make the cab of that truck my prayer closet. And I did. But now, like anybody else, when you first start trying to do that, my mind would drift and I'd catch myself not praying. Well, all you can do is, oops, sorry, Lord, start again. But if you're persistent at it after a while, it just becomes, to this day, when I touch, when I get in any vehicle and my hands touch the steering wheel, I just start praying like softly in tongues. You get conditioned to it. And I'm just here to testify. I just want to give my testimony. Every, as soon as I had made that commitment, almost immediately, everything Dave said would happen began to happen. I started having these little visions, these little teaching visions. He started, just knowledge would just come to me. I just thought, well, that's wrong over there. That, that, that I believe, that's just wrong. And I can't tell you how I knew it was wrong. I just, it, it's called revelation, you know. 
I began to hear his voice. All these things began to happen just exactly. Now, why didn't they? I had the Holy Ghost in me for the 12 years before. Why didn't they happen then? Because nobody, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. Nobody had told me about the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. But thank God for Dave Roberson, who did teach me, and that I began, and sure enough, everything he said would happen began to happen. People tell me that doesn't work. I go, well, there's a barn. Go tell the barn. You came too late to tell me. It does work, too. Anyway, I don't mean to be unkind, but you're wrong. <laughs> you do it, it'll work, because the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off. Okay, now that's a lot longer setup than I was intending. But I feel now it's time. See, because where we're going, and we are going there quickly. We are, we are, I don't know if, do your feet feel wet? They should because you're in the edge water of revival. I believe we're already in it, really. I believe uh, your toes should feel the anointing. Maybe ankle deep by now. Maybe maybe a little more. I don't know. But here's one of the things that when I learned when he would speak to me, I used to carry a little micro cassette recorder. And Dave taught us how to distinguish God's voice. Those lessons are still at his website, distinguishing God's voice. And I practiced and practiced till I could distinguish his voice. You just do what Dave says and it'll work. People tell me all the time, no, it doesn't. And I say, go tell it to the barn. It does work too. So <clears throat> here is one of those. And it's talking about the anointing. So that's, we're really right there right now. So you've got, you, the truth of it is, you've got the same God on the inside of you that Jesus had on the inside of him. His name is the Holy Ghost. Christ is in you or you're not saved. If you can pray in tongues, you can't do that without the Holy Ghost. You can't do it. It's impossible. He's the one that creates the language. So if you love Jesus and you're born again and you can pray in tongues, you've got the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Well, now what's the problem? <clears throat> Be encouraged to know. Now I'm reading from this. Basically, this is probably a tongue and interpretation or praying till I understood it where I can speak it as, as I'm hearing it. And then I later I typed it. That's what this is. Be encouraged to know that there is nothing about the anointing that I do not understand, says the Lord. The natural man, now see, Alan's message, such a perfect setup for this. The natural man has no knowledge, no understanding, and hardly even any conception of the anointing of God. But I totally and fully understand the anointing. To me, it is a simple thing, completely understood. As you continue to yield yourself to my spirit, says the Lord, I will reveal the simplicity of the anointing to you. Now, what he says to one, he says to all. Those that believe will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So now take this personally. Okay, I'm going to read that sentence again for the flow's sake. As you continue to yield yourself to my spirit, says the Lord, 
I will reveal the simplicity of the anointing to you. For it is something that you will walk in. Be encouraged to know you will understand the anointing. You will walk in the anointing and it will be simple. For, for the teacher I have sent, the Holy Spirit, will reveal to you line by line and precept upon precept all facets of the anointing. It shall become as a tool in your hand as it was a tool in the hand of my sons. You will walk in the anointing. The anointing will flow through you. You will deliver the fruit by the anointing. Be of good cheer. You are in the right school, says the Lord. I have prepared this classroom of the Holy Spirit. Now, take this personally. Okay? I have prepared this classroom of the Holy Spirit with assignments and lessons specifically tailored for you. I told you one... I told you what, he taught me uh, some fabulous lessons about faith using an elm tree that he knew I had history with. He wouldn't use that same example with you because you don't have that same history. But you got history. <laughs> and he has classes already set up for you based on your history with things that you can relate to. Alex is back there in mechanics. See, I'm not a mechanic. Alex is a great one. God has tailor-made lessons for Alex. That'll make perfect sense to him. Amen? Okay. We'll read that sentence again and we'll try not to comment. Hard. <laughs> I have prepared this classroom of the Holy Spirit with assignments and lessons specifically tailored for you. That you may learn of me. That you may learn from my hand and understand in ways that you will perceive and comprehend and be able to grasp. And no man shall ever be able to take this understanding from you, says the Lord. The more time that you can yield to my spirit, the faster your education and the transformation of your walk will be completed. Yield to my spirit, son. Give time to my spirit. My spirit is an excellent teacher. The lessons are already in him. Your lessons, take it personally, your lessons are already prepared. And it is simply a matter of receiving those lessons from the teacher. You've heard me talk about this next statement many times. When the simplicity of my anointing dawns on you, says the Lord, you will look back on these days with amusement that it ever seemed so hard. God. For it is not hard as you perceive, quote, hard to be. From your point of view, the problem is this. It's simply not carnal. Alan. It cannot, the next sentence, it cannot be carnally understood. Now that's Alan's message. That's the message, part of it this morning. It cannot be carnal. See, once you're operating in it, you won't, you won't be able to just, 
Okay, I'm getting a check right there. You'll be able to impart some things to people, but the knowledge you have that you got from the Holy Ghost, they're going to have to sit through that same school. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to take as long. You understand that? I barely understand it myself. But what he's saying, these, yes, sir, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Don't think you can walk in the anointing, the kind we're talking about, and write books about it and people get it. Because it's not carnally understood. It's not understood from, by the natural mind. Okay. 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. He's talking about the natural eye and the natural heart, the natural part of man. But God hath revealed them unto us, now notice, by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man that's in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world. He's talking about when you get born again, You've not received again that spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. He's talking about that new man now on the inside of you. And even the King James translators got it right. Notice they got a little s on there. But the spirit which is of God, that's correct. Little s. Talking about that new man on the inside. Why did you have to have that new man on the inside? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now get this. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are what? Spiritually discerned. You've got to get this Holy, Holy Spirit the new creature spirit. They are spiritually discerned. You can't write a book and just get people to understand it with their natural brain. Now you can help them. I'm helping right now, I think. Okay? But to really walk in this, you got to get it from God. You're a new creature. You're not of this world. You're from a different realm. And you got to... He sent a teacher that's... Got your individual lessons tailor-made for you if you want to walk in the anointing. It's simply a matter, he says, of receiving those lessons from the teacher. Okay. I want to read this paragraph again because it's important for the flow. I know I, I jump in there and I think it's okay. But I want the flow to continue. So starting this paragraph again. When the simplicity (laughs) of my anointing dawns on you, says the Lord, you will look back on these days with amusement that you ever thought it was so hard. It's not hard as you perceive hard to be. From your point of view, the problem is this. It is simply not carnal. It cannot be. Carnally understood. We just read scripture for that. It is only revealed. Say only. Only. It is only revealed by my spirit, says the Lord. 
But as you spend time with him, he will reveal these things unto you. And it will be so simple. Even to your mind. Now that's a statement right there. See, that's a renewed mind that has knowledge, but then bows to that knowledge. It will be so simple, says the Lord, and you'll look back on these days with amusement that you ever thought it was hard. Now, for your mind's sake, I will say this to you at this point. The anointing is my delivery system that allows me to stretch forth my hand from the realm of the Spirit to touch those that are in the realm of the material. The anointing is my delivery system from the spirit realm to the natural realm. You shall understand the anointing. Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer and be at peace, trusting in my spirit. Be at total peace, trusting in my spirit as you yield your time to him, says the Lord. Now, how important is that? Well, I think, I think the whole kingdom of God and the revival, the real revival, I think the hope for Cuba, the hope for the United States, the hope for Venezuela, the hope for the whole world, they've got to know that Jesus is alive. They've got to know that Christ is risen from the dead. They've got, it's got to be a manifestation of truth that the world may know that he has sent, that God has sent him. But he sent him into us. How important is this? Nobody's really walked in the fullness of this for about 2,000 years, not since the book of Acts. I thank God for every revival. I'm not trying to diminish. But you know as well as I know, even the best of the revivals only lasted a few years. Thank God that they came. I don't think we'd have an America without the first and second great awakening. I don't think we would. I don't think we'd still be here. We're about to have a third, by the way. I really believe that with all of my heart. But how important is this? And Alan mentioned programs. I'll just mention it a little bit. There's a thousand and one things. Tim and Dave could have got, they're smart. They could have got together. If they want, if the goal was to have a big church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, they could have had a big church a long time ago. You just start doing it according to man's wisdom. You invite an, eva- you invite an evangelist and have a two weeks of meetings. <laughs> you just start doing it according to man. How's that? Skinny jeans, fog machines. See, skinny jeans, big screens, and fog machines. I think that's how it goes. You know, and I'm not against anything really, but that's just not what we're after, is it? See, we're after this. Jesus said, I have come. To bear witness of the truth. And then he told us. You shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost comes comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Unto me. Well he is the truth. When you walk in the door. Truth walks in the door. When you walk in the hospital room. Truth walks in the hospital room. And if need be. If you walk into the graveyard. Truth walks in the graveyard. Nothing is impossible with our God. I am absolutely convinced there is not a school on planet earth where I can go and get the teaching that I need. 
And the reason I say that, there's nowhere on earth that I know, not in the medical field or not even not a church. Let's take Victoria, our own daughter of this church that's born with a partial brain. I don't know anywhere. Now, maybe by the gifts of the Spirit, anything's possible, you know, on a one-time or two-time basis, I guess. But I don't know anywhere. There's no school that I know of where they've trained people that can get Victoria a completed brain. I don't know of any hospital where that can happen either. But I know that I know. Boy, if I snuck in to watch Oral Roberts' empty wheelchairs, how much would I sneak in to watch Jesus do it? But I'm telling you, if we could get Victoria in Jesus' hands, she's coming back with a full brain. Hold out your hands. This is the only body. Our, our, our bodies are the only body that he has. Let me say it another way. If we're not the branch, there are no branches. Did you hear that? Where's the fruit going to come? It's got to come on the branch. Well, the branch is the body. Now, it also includes emotions and where Listen to Alan's message. But for this illustration, oil was a branch. Catherine Kuhlman was a branch. Thank God during their lifetimes, fruit. We could name many others. I'm just, you know, that's two that we're very familiar with. But did you notice that once they left the planet, they're not a branch anymore? Well, I hate to say this part. You could get mad at me, but Jesus was the branch. But right now, he's not the branch. He didn't call. He's prophesied as the branch, just so you'll know, from the prophet in the Old Testament. I believe it says, out of Jesse will come the branch. Well, and he was the branch. He was the only branch during his lifetime. But see, God doesn't normally make a tree with just one branch. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? Jesus says this, okay, it's good, yes, but it's better for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the God in me will never be in you. And it's the Father in me, He does the works. So I don't know where else to go except to get my hiney back down to my chair again and again and again. Not only during the times, but at many times at home. Sue knows it's true. We both sit out on the porch and pray till your lips roll off on the floor. We got a little, you know, a little spatula to get your lips back. I'm teasing. Sit there and watch the fountain, pray in the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, the devil is relentless even after all these years. This isn't doing anything. It's not accomplishing anything. You should be doing anything but this. Look at that hedge. It doesn't need trimming. Look at that lawn. You know, whatever, 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 you know. I don't know any other school. I don't know anywhere else. Where, where, where are we going to go? I'm not settling for a man-made revival. No more. I want the revival, which what Jesus would call really normal church. See, what we're doing today is not normal. <laughs> well, it isn't, not according to Jesus. He likes teaching, it's fine. He said he would teach, he would preach, 
What's the next one? He would heal. And that's called normal. We're just trying to get up to normal. (laughs) And people call you a fanatic. No, we're just trying to get up to normal. What Jesus calls a normal service. Say this with me. I will understand the anointing. The anointing will flow through me. And I'll look back on these days. And I will just laugh. That I ever thought it was so hard. Father, I'm staying in school. I'm staying in training. So the Holy Spirit can teach me. Those tailor-made lessons. That you've already prepared for me. I will learn. And I will walk in the truth. I am a branch. That will bear much fruit. To glorify the Father in the Son. Hallelujah. Now let me just read it to you. John 15. You can look at it up later. I am the true vine. And my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean, that means purged, through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now listen. Abide in me. Abide. Abide. That means, do you ever notice a branch doesn't take vacations from the vine? That's what abide means. All the time. All the time. All the time. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. He doesn't call himself the branch anymore. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He is the connection, see. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and for so shall you be my disciples. Well, a disciple, the purpose of being a disciple is to become as the master. He said the disciple is not above his master. The goal is that the disciple become as his master. That's why he said one chapter earlier, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater than these shall he do, because, because I go unto my Father. Because he went to the Father, he was able to send the same God into you that was in him. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Notice personal pronoun. Doesn't get more personal than I. If I tell you I'm going to do it, that doesn't mean Mark's going to do it. I'm going to do it. 
But how does He do it? He's the vine. We're the branch. The Father flows through Him into us. But the fruit comes on your branch. The fruit comes through your hands. We are the branches. Glory to God. Whatsoever you shall... Say it with me. Jesus said, Whatever I ask in His name, He said, That will I do. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want to be believed. He wants us to believe that. Say it with me again. Whatever I ask in His name, He does it. Whatever I ask in His name, He does it. Whatever I ask in His name, He does it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's believe that. Now that pruning part. Okay, just this part of the lesson. Hey, it's 20 till. I'm just going to mention this one. Even after Peter, Peter had pretty good fruit. On the day of Pentecost, he preached how many people got saved? 3,000 people. That's pretty good. I'd call that pretty fair fruit. What if we had 3,000 people in here? Glory to God. Yeah, we'd be... It'd be something else. Then, then... He prays for this guy who was born lame from his mother's womb. Say with me, birth defect. See, people don't get it. We're talking about a birth defect. Okay? Born that way. Born lame from his mother's womb. No telling what those are. This man is over 40 years old, we're told, and he'd never walked. What kind of little beanpole legs did he have? Yet when Peter took him by the hand, such as I have... Stand up on thy feet. It says the man not only jumped up, he, he jumped, he leapt, and walked. I don't think the bird legs stayed bird legs. What happened there? Glory to God. That, would you call that fruit? Then he preaches his second sermon. How many people get saved? 5,000. I'm calling this fruit. 3,000 on your first sermon. Heal a birth defect guy that's never walked. Preach again, get 5,000 saved. I mean, come on. Come on. Then, the next chapter, he's walking down the street and his shadow's falling on sick people and they're getting up healed. I'd call that fruit. But see, God wanted to bear more fruit. All the way, okay, that's chapter 5 where that happened. In Acts, all the way, you go all the way to chapter 10. And by the way, that's almost 10 years later from the time Jesus was raised from the dead. Almost 10 years. God's wanting to bear more fruit, fruit through Peter than Peter's currently bearing, and I'm saying he's bearing pretty good. But there's a problem in Peter that God has to prune in order to bear more fruit. Well, what's the problem? I'm going to call it a stronghold. Peter thought only Jews could be saved. Even though I could show you several places while Peter was with Jesus, when Jesus told him that it wasn't going to be that way. But it never penetrated. Any of y'all ever have, the, have trouble with truth penetrating the bone? It's just that last quarter inch of bone there. That's all. I think it, it's that bone, I'm thinking. But it doesn't penetrate. Well, it hadn't penetrated. 
So you all know the story. How does the father prune Peter? Well, let's see. Peter was on the rooftop doing what? What? Give that girl a gold star right there. Praying. He was in prayer and God dealt with a stronghold. Somebody should preach this. Thank you, Dave Roberson. And you know the story. God showed him this vision. This sheet let down three times. Yeah, why three? I'm thinking, I don't know if God does eye rolls. Showed it to him once. Didn't get it. <laughs> Show it to him again. My boy still didn't get it, Peter. Third time, Peter. Come on. And it's all full of creepy, crawly things that's not kosher. And Peter goes, no, no, Lord, nothing unclean has ever, I've never eaten anything, see. He was there the day that Jesus declared all foods clean. But he still held to the Jewish tradition. That's one of, see, sometimes holding on to one tradition will cause you to hold on to something that's even stronger. Because he held on to the other tradition, too, that only Jews could be saved. And the whole purpose, what's God doing there? He is pruning him. He is dealing with a stronghold. God is removing a stronghold that Peter had had his whole life. Lifelong stronghold. Only Jews can be saved. So God three times shows him this. And then gives him an instruction. There's men coming to your door. You go with them. Even though they're Gentiles, you go with them. Sure enough, Peter comes down off the roof and there's three guys there. You know the story. He goes and he, 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 yeah, he's just doing what he, what they tell him, you know, uh, we, we had a vision, an angel appeared, told us to send for you, that you would come and tell us these words of life, and so we're all here. And Cornelius had gathered up his whole family, and who knows what, who all. His house was probably pretty full. In the chapter 11, when he's telling about it, he says, I was just beginning to preach. I, he had a lot more to say. God didn't wait. God was so hungry to get saved Gentiles. Soon as they understood the message, kabam! Holy Spirit fell on them to begin speaking with tongues. And I'm sure Peter was, how did Dave say it? His eyes was as wide as saucers. I didn't even think they could be saved. And now they're baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. So he's explaining himself, you know, over, he says, who am I? I can't resist God if God decides to give them the Holy Ghost. How can I stop it? But see, that's pruning. We've got to understand what's going on. He's pruning. God pruned. He had to prune a stronghold out of Peter. Why? So Peter could bear more fruit. Why do you think he's got us in this come away with me, the, the blueprint? Why do you think he's got us? Come, Duh. There might. Surely not in moi. There is still strongholds. Absolutely there is. But if we'll do what he said, yield ourselves to the teacher. How many is looking forward to that day when, oh, <laughs> I can't believe I ever thought healing was so hard. Bring another blind person. Shazam. It worked. Now, don't, don't go Shazam. <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to illustrate easy. Kapow, whatever. <laughs> and they see. And you go, <laughs> I just can't believe I ever thought it was hard. Let's stay in the school. Let's stay in the school. Let him prune us, purge us. 
till we're walking in what He wants us walking in. You okay with that? Okay, I feel a release now. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. 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 I thank you, Lord, for remind for having me do that. Thank you, Lord. That was better than what I had anyway. Thank you, Lord. I'm gonna. There's a harvest beginning even now. Because many people, there's the, 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 our church is way bigger than what you see here. Many people are watching by internet. And I know that they tell other people and sometimes have them come over and watch these with them. If you're hearing this today and you have never, ever, if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've heard enough of the gospel today to be saved. Listen, Jesus is the Son of God. He, he, he left heaven, came to earth as a man. He never sinned, not one time. And that was so he could be the spotless lamb. He took all of our punishment that we deserved. He took it upon himself. He went to the cross in our place. He paid the price we could not pay. But he paid the penalty that we deserved. And if you believe on him, that God not only paid the price, but then it was finished and raised him from the dead. Because Jesus now is alive. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you say with your mouth, he is your Lord, you'll be saved. And it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So just pray this prayer with us. Again, say, Father. Say it with him. Father. I have sinned. I heard your gospel. I understand it now. Your son died for me. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Wash all my sins away. Make me whiter than snow. And Lord Jesus, I know you're alive. From this day forward, I'll serve you with all that I know how. Show me what you'd have me do. And I will do it. And Father, this promise of the Holy Spirit. Father, I'm asking you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I have the same Holy Spirit in me. That Jesus had in him. And I expect to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gives utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you do that, you're saved. It doesn't matter whether you feel any different or not. The Bible is true. Whether you're, If I just went by my emotions, some days I'd think I saved and some days I think I wouldn't. But you know what doesn't change? The Word of God. The Word does not change. And I am saved. Glory to God. So were you if you prayed that prayer. Backslider, come home. We're going to give you one more chance now. Backslider, we're, cut, we're stepping into the end times. Surely you can tell that. Besides that, there's no guarantee even one more day. You need to repent. Come to your father's house. Thank God the prodigal did not die in a far land away from his father. Why did the father say, this my son was dead? But because he returned, he is alive again. Hallelujah. Return to your father. Just here, it's, it, let me help you. Father, I say it with me again. Father, I am so sorry. 
I'm so sorry I got involved with the world. I walked away from you. And I'm so sorry. Father, I'm coming home. And I'm not bringing the pig pen with me. I'm returning to you, Father. Receive me back unto yourself. Forgive me and pardon me by the blood of Jesus. And restore me to full fellowship. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why do I still feel a hesitancy? Just pray in this pray softly in the spirit a moment. Where the enemy's been dealing. The enemy has been doing his best to serve you hopelessness on a silver platter. By any means possible, he's trying to make it look like nothing's ever going to change. It's always going to be this way. It's too, he, whatever excuses he uses in your case. You're too late. It's been too long. It, <laughs> you're too lazy, too fat, too whatever. <laughs> too busy. He says all of that is a lie. What I hear right now is you are my hope in the earth. You are his beloved. He has your face on the palm of his hand. The, the psalmist said, you could never number that the, you could never count the thoughts, just the number of thoughts that he has for you individually each day. He loves you, and it's not too late. So the spirit of the Lord is saying, reject hopelessness and begin afresh. Just start again. Can't do anything about the past. The blood takes care of the past. But you can change today. Just start again. And the God of hope will be with you. The God of hope will be with you. Hallelujah. All right. Now I feel a release. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.